This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Getting my dad to say, I love you. To say what? Say Hello and welcome to Getting My Dad to Say I Love You, the podcast where I talk to other comedians, writers and actors to find out if their parents love them and most importantly, to see if they can help my dad say I love you. Hello, Christopher. Are you are you excited about this new podcast series I'm doing? Um, I'm a bit sort of uh, apprehensive about it, but let's just see how it goes. See how it goes. It came about because uh, over lockdown, Dad, I, I realised that you you're incapable of saying the, the phrase "I love you" to me. Oh, I, I didn't realise that, but anyway, <laughs> you you say, you say that. <laughs> but you do love me, but you don't love you don't like being forced into saying it. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's quite a difficult thing for people of my generation to do. But just just uh, sort of as an aside, or for what it's worth. There's a wonderful photograph of Prince Charles, who, um, whatever you may think of him, he's, uh, with him and Prince William together, um, in a very, very sort of loving embrace. And it's quite clear he's probably loves William very much, and it's probably very difficult for him sometimes to say that. And I'm saying that people of my generation, um, if I'm rambling on, shut me up. But but it's quite difficult to say these things. But, you know, I, I, th- I can understand what you're doing. It makes sense. <laughs> to people who don't know my dad, what I love about that is uh, I asked you quite a, a, a direct question and you've managed to make it about the royal family <laughs> at the start. Well, of the I didn't, did, I didn't <laughs> Guys, if you, like, if you like the monarchy, this is the podcast for you. But I get your point. He is showing it in his generation's way, which is your generation, because, I don't know, did, you, did your parents say I love you directly to you? I don't remember that particularly. Yeah, because it's, it wasn't the done thing. It wasn't the way that things manifested themselves. They could clearly loved me, yes, of course. They were very keen, yes. But the thing is, Dad, if you just said it a couple more times, I wouldn't do this for a living. I'd have a nice really? normal job <laughs> where I wouldn't need to gain affection and validation from others. But Dad, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go and interview my friend Ramesh Ranganathan and uh, hear about his family and also to get him to give you some tips to help you say I love you to me. Does that sound good? Sounds um, a positive way forward. How you doing, Ramesh? I'm very good, Chris. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. With this podcast, I like to crack straight into it. 
mm-hmm. and just ask my guests out the gate, have both your parents uh, said I love you to you before? Uh, oh, shit. My mum has a lot. Yeah. I'm trying to think if my dad had did. Uh Yes, I'm pretty sure he did. He I'm did. pretty sure he did. He did. He did. I, I don't. I don't. It's not burning a hole in my um, in my psyche that he didn't say that. So I'm assuming he did. But <laughs> yeah. I can't. I, I. I can't remember. I can't remember him saying it. But I'm sure. Of he course. Did. Well, I think with dads, it's harder anyway. And obviously, um, you know, your dad's no longer with us, so that's harder yeah. to to check. But like, I do think it's. Uh, it came about this because I was, I was very certain that my. I was just, my parents don't like to express emotion really at neither of them. And I was thinking they do. I obviously know they do, but mm-hmm. I've never heard them say it, but I understand from their generation, it's quite a, um, it's not very, a, it's not a done thing. Like you're a dad, you've got kids. I'm sure you say I love you to them all the time. I do. Yeah. I say, I, I would say that I say it to, to their detriment. <laughs> you know, like, like they, they don't want to, <laughs> they don't want to hear it. And also I've done the other thing of, um, cause my dad used to embarrass me a lot. Uh, uh-huh. like dropping me off at school in particular. Um, you know, he would turn up. I remember once he turned up in denim hot pants. Another time he turned up in wearing... Sorry, turn- sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Go back. Yeah. You can't just you can't add that to a list of many <laughs> things. And not do I, Your dad turned up to pick you up from school in denim hot pants. So so he 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 wanted to... He was doing the gardening once. And you, saw, you said it like it was a standard dad move, that. Yeah, you know, the old, you know, the denim hot pants move. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, no, he was, he was doing the gardening once and, and didn't have any shorts. And so... And so cut off, he cut off a pair of jeans, but he cut them off. He cut them off so short that the po- the pockets were lower than the bottom of the legs, like they were super short. That's so it just looked like it looked like. <laughs> so so he was wearing. He wore those to do the gardening, and I remember saying, "Like that's so embarrassing." And so then, specifically because I said that was embarrassing, he came to pick me up from school wearing those wearing I those love shorts. It. Do you know what I mean? Ah, uh, that's fucking. That's it. That's that's yeah. excellent dad behaviour. And what else? Yeah. you had you had more on the list you were going into there. Oh yeah, well the other thing he would do is just he'd sort of test how angry I'd get. Like I remember buying it, getting a pair. Of, I remember getting a pair of Jordans. And I was yeah. really protective about them because they, the, <laughs> they were the most expensive trainers I'd ever owned. And um, he came to school wearing them to pick me up wearing them. That's like amazing. <laughs> such a dick move. That's Do you know what like, I mean? But he just wanted to see my face. That feels like brother territory. Do you know what yeah, I mean? The way mate, he, he, totally. he was with you. Is he was he a young dad? Uh, I guess not for not for Sri Lankan parents. He was, you know, he, <laughs> you know, Sri Lankan parents. They like to Asian Asian people like to reproduce early. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, so I think it's fair, fairly regular age. But he was like, uh, my dad was going through that thing of, um, you know, he'd moved over to England from Sri Lanka when he was very young, like nineteen, twenty years old, and he was. He just loved Western life. He just loved being in the UK. He loved that sort of... My dad was a proper, like, loved pub culture, loved football, loved cricket. You know, like, all, he properly threw himself into all of that. And I think he sort of was discovering his kind of inner lad as as uh, as my brother and I were growing up. So he, he, was like, he was just like a really funny, outgoing bloke. But I think I, I, I sometimes feel like I suffer from that a little bit, where that line between being a parent and being matey with your kids mm-hmm. it's um it's a difficult line to walk i think and and yeah i i, I think it's a challenge for everyone but it, but but it, the way that he um 
the way that he used to embarrass me at school is something that I've definitely passed. I, I've learned from, and, and I do that to my kids. With a, I do a lot of uh, really loud "I love yous" as they're going uh, into school. That's not yeah, but that's they they hate that now. But they'll they'll, they'll they won't make a podcast about you not saying no. it twenty years <laughs> later. So maybe they, it's a short term pain for long term gain. Um, yeah. You uh, you said a funny thing though that made me think of different parents and how they are. I don't know. I I um. I my dad is embarrassing, but not he's not like intentional. He's just who he is, and I would get embarrassed right, right, right. by him as a kid because he's very outgoing and he's similar. Sounds like a bit like your dad was like just like to be entertaining and uh, have a good time, mm. but like he would just often get he'd be the the dad who my mates would go, oh your dad's a legend, and I'd be like, yeah, he's, he's kind of very fun from afar, but like <laughs> in terms of hands on parenting, yeah, he leaves yeah. a little bit to be desired. But um, I wonder if. Uh, you kind of like made that thing on uh, treading the line between being a mate and a parent always made me think of uh, the kids when I was growing up who would quite easily talk to their parents about girls and, and kissing and sex and those dads who wanted to like be part of it. And my dad is so the opposite of that. And that, that always, was your dad. You talked to your dad about like dating and that sort of thing. Well, listen, listen, um, I, I'm sure my dad would have happily talked to me about that. Sadly, because of the type of kid I was, it never really came up. Oh, no. uh, like we didn't, you know. It, 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 it's got if I, I texted you before. What's other podcast? Is it? I said, well, it's not a podcast where I want you to cry, but I didn't think it would be about how bad you were at getting off of people. No, do you know? Well, do you know, do you know, the thing was, is my parents said my mum told me that I wasn't allowed to see any girls until I finished university. So really? That was, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your, my, well, I only know your mum from watching her on TV, and she seems so like such a laugh that I can't that's funny but she, no, she, she is that seriously did she mean that seriously well, well I, I think she realised at the time that it was a ridiculous thing to demand but at the same time she would have loved it if we'd ever did to it do you know what I mean it's like right, right, she right. was just so convinced that as soon as like she just was convinced that as soon as we started getting into girls and stuff we'd stop on achieve, we'd stop trying to strive to achieve her dreams of us becoming doctors do right. you know what I mean so, so, so it's like she didn't want us to get distracted by that. Whereas my dad didn't really, he didn't really give a shit about that. So, you know, he was just sort of do what you want to do. He, he he was, and then also I was just kind of not very, um, I just wasn't very good at talking to girls and stuff. But I reckon, I reckon my dad would have, he, he was pretty open to, to talking about everything. Do you know what I mean, he was, he was, he was a more chilled out parent of the, of the two, I would say. Your mum was much a disciplinarian. More, I, t I think so, but the other thing—the other thing you got to bear in mind—is my dad just wasn't around a lot. Do you know what I mean? And so he was often working away, and he—you he, know—he used to go. What, out did, what, what did your dad do? Out of interest. Well, he did a number of different things, but I mean, it, it, sort of, it all centered around him being an accountant, and and he did that for various <laughs> different companies. But right. He was. He also. Uh, <laughs> he also got drunk a lot after. Like he'd go out after work this all is, the time. This is a common through. This is my well, dad. Yeah. Worked yeah, all day, so socialised all night. Yeah, yeah. And then you feel like you're kind of, uh, someone pointed this out in the, another episode was like, this might be putting words into your mouth or into your mind that you haven't thought of, but you're kind of, what we do now for a living is essentially, we can dress it up as you want. It is attention seeking. Right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's what we do. Yeah, it's, it's and, ultimate narcissism, but it is attention seeking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but the yeah. narcissism, I think, makes it too self-centered where i think actually it's more i don't know i feel like you know it sounds like you, you had a laugh of you that as well but him not being around really resonates and that you're just trying to do something to be like hey 
I'm here. Just yeah, ditch, yeah. The, ditch the other stuff. And yeah, yeah that's, that's a, but obviously you didn't, you weren't when you were like a teenager thinking I'm going to be a comedian, but you, you kind of like, that might've been somewhere in your subconscious. Well, I think, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, look, I, I did, listen, I did my first comedy gig when I was nine at Pontins Holiday Camp. So it, it, it was in my, uh, I guess it was in the on, on, in the grand scheme. Of, it was going to happen, or I was. Thinking how did it go? It. You must have talked about talked about this on something else. But how yeah, I won, I won. I won. I won the talent okay. competition. Okay. So <laughs> I you know, I don't want to go on about it. <laughs> I sort of rode that wave ever since. But, yeah. I, but I think, like, um, yeah, look, it's, it's it's tricky, man, because my dad, my mum and dad had such a. a, a a her, sort of such a stormy relationship because my mm -hmm. dad was my dad drank a lot he was a proper party animal i think he found living in england to be like a bit of a sensory overload Do you know i mean he was always out on the smash and like he slept around with other women quite a lot and stuff and my 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 memories of my mum and dad like when we were growing up was sort of some lots of happy times where we'd sort of we'd be together as a family we'd go on holiday together mm -hmm. and there was a lot of them just shouting at each other you know yeah. and so um, and so you, you sort of, yeah, just my dad was like, you sort of end up really, it's really sad, isn't it? The parent that's around a lot, you'd take for granted. And, you know, 100%. and so you end up, you end up, I end up, I remember just really craving attention from my dad and really wanting to impress my dad. And my mum was just fucking there the whole time. And they're just like, yeah, mum, I get it. Dad, 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 you know, it's really, it's really shit. And that's why I'm absent so much now. Cause I figured out that's how it works. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's sort of, let my, let my wife, resent, do, yeah, let my wife do a lot of the legwork. And then, that uh, is, uh, <laughs> that's very, I, it's funny. Each, each one of these I do, I keep, you keep saying something, people keep saying a thing that sounds the same and then you just add a little bit more information. So yeah, yeah you, what you're saying there was, was chatting to Tiff about this, Tiff Stevenson. And I said, uh, it reminded me of, a lot of me sitting on stairs, hearing them argue, and then feeling yeah, very yeah. powerless. Does that, does that kind of relate? Where you're like, yeah, you want it, you want to help, but you're like eight. So what are you going to do? You're gonna, hey guys, have you just thought about compromising? Like they're like, shut the fuck up, you're eight. Yeah, you know yeah. you're on about. Um, but you said, uh, oh shit, you said something else. I've just lost my train of thought. But yeah, that 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 idea. No, that was it. Taking your mother for granted. I think that's such a. I honestly used to think my just weird shit, just like. This is, sad, this is the most spoiled sounding thing. She used to make me make my own sandwiches and breakfast from like the age of eight. Right. <laughs> and I, was I think like, that's excellent. It's so good though. There was yeah, a kid it's great. It's Pete so Krias great. at my school was getting sandwiches made at 18. And now, you know, I'm sure that guy can't even wipe yeah, his Look at ass. that guy. Yeah, what happens yeah, to him sure, if he needs to make a sandwich in an emergency? I'm sure he just still call, I'm sure he just still calls his mum and she does it for him. But um but I yeah, I used to take her for granted because she was around all the time and used to think she was the nag. But now I've got older, I have I have had this moment of clarity like, oh, you actually you were like really good at being a parent. And dad, you were fun and I wanted your attention, but actually, you know, you should have upped you should have upped mate, your game a little bit more. Mate, you're totally describing Listen, I love my dad and like we had a great relationship by the time he passed away. But like my, you know, when I think about, I remember like watching my mum and dad argue and the dynamic of it to, to me was my mum shouting at my dad and my dad just going, look, just chill out, just chill out. Right. So to my mind as a kid, I'm just like, why the fuck is mum, why is mum mm -hmm. being so horrible to dad? 100%. Now I realise that my dad was a complete shit to my mum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. She, and actually this is just a woman just desperately trying to get some fucking respect <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, yeah. in, a, in a, in a, in a horrendous kind of situation. And so, 
I remember like sort of siding with my dad and I, you know, I, I did never do this, but part of me would like want to go to him and go, God, what's her fucking problem, man? Why doesn't she just chill out, dad? Am, am I right? Why is she giving you so much of a hard time? Whereas now I think back to him, I'm just like, fucking hell, dad. You were like, I, I, you were properly, listen, he was a human and people are flawed and like you, you have to have that, you have to have that understanding. But in terms of like, who was in the right in those arguments. Now I realise that my poor mum was going through the fucking shit. Do you know what I mean? So I know. It's so know. interesting, man. I realise um, a phrase my dad said all the time, and it's funny how these little phrases, they stick with you, and, and that probably reinforces that idea of, like, backing him. And also just, I think, I don't, do you have do you have a sister? Or is it just, you and no, your, just I know, you met your brother, brother before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he actually came to one of my gigs on a stag do and brought a stag do above a pub and it was bad. <laughs> what a uh, prick. What an uh, absolute prick. But he, uh, the dad's reinforced. My dad used to do just anything he would do, he would say to me, whatever you do, don't you dare tell your mother. And I'd be like, yeah, we won't tell her. And now I'm old. I'm like, you, why didn't you tell her? That's so, yeah, like, yeah, if yeah. I, imagine if I was like, you, he basically like got like a fucking or kind of a skip rat to like work on his behalf to do his like shape, like going out on the piss and like gambling and stuff. And then like, yeah. so I've got a 10 year old to back me up here. It's like, what? Yeah. It's, but yeah, so you just feel cool and you feel like, you know, you're, you know, you feel like you're with your dad against this authority figure or whatever. It's totally understandable, but real dick move by your dad. I mean, listen, you know, it's, no, no, no. Uh, All caveated with with yeah. love the yeah. guy. Think yeah, yeah. He's awesome in many ways, but yeah, it is but, funny that when you're younger, you think this guy is this guy's so cool, and then you're mate, like, I, actually, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, I sort of look, my my dad was proper life and soul. Do you know what I mean? Like we'd go mm. like there's a big Sri Lankan community in London and in Crawley where we lived, and um and like they'd go to parties and stuff. And my recollections of my dad were like my dad like holding court and people laughing at him and him being on the, like drinking and like telling people, telling stories, ripping the shit out of people. Do you know what I mean? Just all of that. But my mum's memory of that is her sitting quietly while my dad flirted with everyone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Just ignored her for the whole evening and stuff like that. And so, but I remember growing up just thinking, my dad's like a, my dad's a legend. Like what hilarious, amazing, funny bloke. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and listen, he was those things, but, you know, as I got older, I realised there's some context to all of that, you know. there. Do you, because um, I think it's interesting when parents, certain people, I'm going to, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do what my dad and pass it on. But a lot of it, I think, is looking at what they did and trying to not <laughs> do what they yeah. did. As you are now a parent to, to some children, you must be, like you said, you say, you say I love you a lot more. You, yeah. you, do you, you, you're obviously away working, but do you, do you have to, do you find yourself forcing yourself to, like, I don't know, I find myself completely adverse to any argument or secrets with Hannah. I have no kids, but so, mm. and I think that's like, I saw what he did and wanted, as I got older, to do the opposite. So I, I, <laughs> what I want you to do is on a podcast, admit, <laughs> like you're going to go, yeah, man, I keep loads of secrets from all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, t- I totally relate, mate. I mean, I, I totally relate to what you're saying. It's like, I saw... I saw what my dad did to my mum, and you know, there's a, there's a there's a point at which my dad, for a long time, was trying to leave us as a family and and, and go and set up a life with another woman, and um, and I saw what that did to my mum, and 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 he didn't do it in a way of like he didn't do you know because people split up, I totally understand that, and mm-hmm. and you know if, if my mum and dad divorced, 
you, you know, kids find that tough, but it's the right thing to do, you know, if people aren't supposed to be together. The way my dad went about it was was horrendous. And so I sort of saw that and I saw the way that my mum and dad were and you do find yourself going, I don't want to, I want to be the opposite of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, you know, I remember thinking to myself, I absolutely am not going to treat my wife like that and I'm not going to treat my kids like that and I'm not going to make my kids feel like that. Um, and, and, then, and then later on I've realised that there are certain there were things that my dad did that were actually great as a parent, mm-hmm. and and it took a little bit of time for me to appreciate that. So I went from hero worshiping worshiping him to thinking he was like awful to sort of falling somewhere in between and realizing yeah. that you know, you know realizing I think what the reality of the situation was. But yeah, it's um, just a fl- like every human has flaws, and you you can pick certain things that you want to be like, and yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously I mean, you. you- no, I was going to say like the the, the moment I, I remember the moment that I you have moments where you go oh my parents are just people I remember my mum being at, like absolutely losing her shit with me right because I was a difficult kid and she was like chasing me around my bedroom to bollock me when I was a little kid and she tripped over one of my to- she was telling me to oh. clean my room she tripped oh, over man. one of my toys and fell over oh, and I remember in my head thinking I remember worst. thinking. Oh my god, she can fall over. Like, oh, like no. that felt like it felt like such a. Do you know what I mean? I just didn't. I know it sounds so mad. I just didn't think she could fall over because she was my mum. Do you know what I mean? It, it I sounds- know. Have you? No, no, no. I I relate to that massively. My mum, when I even when I think I, uh, especially because I'm away a lot because obviously I live in a different country. And when I, I remember one, and I I love them and I like to be near them, but I also wanted my independence. But I remember when I moved out. She was just walking out. She told me she walked down the street and tripped and fell. And then I was like, and then she had an injury on her face. And you're like, oh, God, oh it just makes you feel, oh, there's something about that. It's like, no matter how much you, it's a good like reminder, no matter how annoyed or like frustrated over parents, maybe once a year they should just fall over, manufacture it just to remind <laughs> their kids that they're vulnerable and you and you love them yeah. and care about them. Or my dad, I remember when I was, a, you've made me have this memory, I hadn't that for ages. He, he got the shit kicked out. He got mugged when I was about, seven and i remember seeing him two massive black eyes um uh, like his face was fucked and he was drunk and i remember thinking like whoever did that was an arsehole and like yeah that's bang out of order and the way he described it was these random people just did it but having been with my dad on public transport when he's been hammered i'm like i think he probably probably (laughs) annoyed some people there by not by just not thinking of others and uh, I'm not saying he deserved it wasn't there I'm not saying that but I'm just saying it's that funny thing with time and uh, a bit more hindsight you're like oh maybe but yeah that when I was a kid I was like oh my dad's got two black eyes and like he's he's Im- he's yeah, not immortal it's terrible horrible horrible man horrible. so do you need to, to so do you, do you need to do you need to fall over once once a year around your kids to keep them well, keep them uh, excited by you as a dad I don't I don't know if uh, I'm doing the right thing but I've been pretty open with my kids about my flaws as a parent do you know what I mean like like s- sometimes I have got things wrong and I have told them and sort of apologized to them like for, like you know like I remember like a, a couple a few times I've told my kids off um and sort of realized later on that I got it wrong and I've just said to myself like my I remember having a conversation with my oldest son recently just going Look, I'm really sorry. I thought I was. I thought I'd got it right, but now thinking about it, I was probably a bit harsh on you. And did, and it sort of explained. And I said, I sort of put it across from my point of view. I said, this is why. This is why I did what I did. But I realised now I was wrong. 
And I thought that was a good thing to do. My wife's sort of a bit like that as well. But one of my friends said to me, you've absolutely fucked it. You've shown yourself to be fallible. And now <laughs> nothing you say going forward is is worth listening to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I so. guess you want them, do you want them to like, it's a bit like Santa, right? You want them to work out themselves at some point. And then- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you, rather than showing them, yeah, listen, mate, I haven't got, a, I'm clueless. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you're going to turn out. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm completely winging this and it's a miracle you're still alive. <laughs> and then they're like, um, all right. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, so you just sort of, uh, I, listen, all, all I would say is I don't think there's an issue for my kids thinking I'm fallible. I think they've got it. I, they, I think they, they, they know you're very fallible. They, they've accepted that. There's going to be no, there's going to be, they're not going to be on a podcast in the future going, and then I realised that my dad was just human. I don't think they're going to have <laughs> that like, moment. They're like, this, this, this low confidence idiot told us once a week that, that he was completely fucking yeah. stopped, it. We, we actually stopped listening to what he was telling us off because we knew that in about half an hour he'd come up and apologise. <laughs> come back tail between leg oh god what yeah. a beta dad we have yeah. um, what did you what did you fuck up this time dad come on, yeah, go on, go on dad, dad should we just cut should we just cut the next hour of our lives just, just cut to you admitting what a moron you are come here son I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Well, let's pivot to a bit more towards your mum here because I, I, and I'm, I'm just guessing this from, from what you kind of said, but I, I, I think the big common through line with, um, I think as a comedian especially, you, you just turn up and you do this and you don't do any work. I mean, obviously it's harder with you because you are, from the outside, the hardest working man in comedy because the fact that I got you for this podcast is a miracle. And yeah. I appreciate you giving me time because you're always doing stuff. So that that work ethic is that because your dad sounds like the entertainer and the one holding court, and your mum wanting you to not speak to a 
girl till you were 21. <laughs> I yeah. might have exaggerated that, but, but like, uh, yeah, that there must be, she wanted you, like, are you half joking? But I think to have a proper disciplined job, is that that kind of discipline? Is that a thing that you think is just been handed down by your mum or both or? I think it's uh, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, I, I mean, the, the, the truth is, my mum never. I mean, my mum's very, very supportive, and has always been very supportive of of my career and in whatever I've t- chosen to do. But I don't think if you'd have asked her when I was a kid, if you'd have asked her if she wanted me to be a comedian, she would have said yes. I mean, she wanted me to follow like a tradition. When she said I want you to work hard, it's in a very traditionally academic way. You know, my mum had mm-hmm. a very set. A, a very sort of rigid set of things that she thought what success was defined by, you know, and that meant becoming a doctor or working in finance or becoming a lawyer or whatever. And you go and get your nice house and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think actually, I think it's actually what happened to me. You know, my dad's sort of in a nutshell, kind of, we found out that my dad was like trying to see, trying to leave the family and see this other woman. My dad ended up going to prison and our, and our lives were sort of turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what ended up, you know, not just because of the the sort of uh, formative nature of that kind of upbringing, but also the fact that I sort of realised that sort of chasing, I, I sort of realised that chasing like, my dad struggled throughout his whole life. He, he struggled to do that, that, that thing that my mum wanted me to do. And he wasn't really happy. He was kind of constantly kicking against it. He was constantly kicking against being married. He's constantly kicking against being trapped by a, a, a nine to five job. You know, he ended, he ended his life sort of, at the end of his life, he was running a pub and, you know, he really loved doing that. But I think he found that really late on doing something he really loved. So actually, I think all of those things kind of made me decide that I wanted to do that I was happy to follow a more unorthodox path which being a comedian is you know I don't think I don't think had I not been through or had we not been through that I don't think I would have followed this path but the other thing is in in, in regards to you're talking about work ethic my dad my mum and dad were on a very comfortable path very comfortable trajectory and then over the course of six months everything got turned upside down and everything went away and I think that hardwired me with a fear of that happening to me. Mm-hmm. And so there is never, I don't, you know, as grateful as I am for where I am in my job and I love my job and I, I can't believe that I get to pay the bills doing what I do. It's, it's, it, I really do feel lucky and blessed. I never feel like I've made it. I, I always feel like I could get a tap on the shoulder tomorrow. I could get a phone call just going, uh, Rom, everyone's found out that actually you're shit at this. So, uh, yeah. everything's gone. You know what I mean? So I think, I think it's that, it's that thing. Yeah. Cause like my parents, my parents, like my dad, like, you know, got, we got the house repossessed. We ended up living in a bed and breakfast for like a year. And then when I first became a comedian, my dad passed away. And so then because I couldn't focus on work as much, me and Lisa and I sort of went broke for a while. And so I've had two, I've said, I've had two experiences of, of things going to shit very, very quickly. Right. And so I think that kind of makes you feel like, fuck, I need to keep working. I need to keep working. And also, you know, I have what you and I both have and we, what all decent people have, which is crippling imposter syndrome. Do you know what I mean? And so, oh, and mate, so that, that, that has its, that has its part to play. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> I joked um, with you when I texted you about doing this and you said, I said, mate, do you want to do this podcast? And you went, sorry, who is this? And then I was like, <laughs> and then you were like, no, so I know it's you. And then I was like, don't even, because I, I, really really... I already felt really vulnerable for asking a favour, because essentially anyone listening, if you're getting a 
a friend to be a guest on a podcast. It's you know they're, t- they're taking it's, this is this isn't going to make or break Romesh's <laughs> career, but is it's very sweet of you to come on. So I was like already a bit like anxious, and you said that, and I was like, don't even. I was like, don't even joke about that, mate. I already feel <laughs> like a fraud that I texted you. So yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. you're right. That is a big. That's a big commonality between all of us, I think. Um, yeah, and then you add uh, no, and I think if you're right, if you've had those two those two moments where stuff suddenly goes to shit, of course you're going to, you know, yeah. you're worried the president of comedy is going to come and revoke exactly. your license and stop you. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I think it's, it's that fight. It's a fine line, isn't it? Because it's good to have that to keep you working, but then also do you find it, do you struggle to just enjoy, like do you man, do you give yourself time to enjoy it? Yeah. Well, do you know what? It's, it, to, to be honest with you, it's something I've, I've come to, uh, I guess relatively recently, you know, because, um, you're right. What's the fuck? What's the point of doing all this if you're not going to enjoy it? And mm-hmm. so, like, um, and also, you know, the, the truth is, mate. I, 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 I sort of was like reading up about this and thinking about that. I've thought about this quite a lot, really. And you know, this sort of imposter syndrome of working. And you know, I, I remember talking to uh, Sean Walsh about whether you ever have a moment where you go, "I've done what I was supposed to." Do. You know, what I don't know what I was supposed. To, you know, I've. This is uh, cool. I, 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 I'm happy. Do you know what I mean? So just, saw- to put, just, to, just to jump in there, you've made yeah. me remember. Have you had this before where I've done some stuff in my career that I was like, I really want. And in the moment I've done it, I'm already on to, I, I've, I have to be better at like, I remember I got to do a live at a comedy store or whatever. And I, when I was a teenager, I used to watch that show and I'd be like, that'd be a dream. The moment yeah. I did it, I was like, well, what's, what's next? I just couldn't. And that's, that's a kind of thing. I, I wish I could just, just Mate, be in the moment more and enjoy it. A hundred percent, man. It's like, you know, if you'd have said to either of us at the beginning of our starting out to do this, you're going to end up at where we are. You'd, we'd both have taken that and been delighted, right? But mm-hmm. the truth is every time you get something, you know, this idea that once you get this thing, you're going to be happy. It's just bullshit. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just think that happiness comes from, from elsewhere, you know? And so now I feel like, I genuinely feel like, you know, I mean, don't test me on this, but uh, I genuinely feel like if, if it happened for a third time that all of my career went away and I, I'd be all right with it, you know, because I sort okay. of realised that it's just not, it's not, the, my career is not the be all and end all of me. Do you know what I mean? And you know, you've invested and, a lot of money in cryptocurrency. Listen, I'm fucking, I'm bulletproof. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I've bought, I've bought enough property now that I'm insulated from this. You're a no, slum you landlord. You're fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, but the truth is, it's that kind of thing of like, um, you know, what, you can't make your career your, you can't be defined by it. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. a great thing that, and, and it, listen, I feel so lucky that I do comedy. I love it. And and the fact that that's what I pay my bills with, honestly, I, I feel so lucky, but that's not where my happiness comes from. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I, I'm happy when I go to work, but my happiness comes from like, Oh God, it sounds, I sound like a fucking hallmark. Say it, mate. Really. You're fine. But it just, yeah. you know, it's like relationships, friends and fat, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And so, and so, yeah, I sort of feel it, I, I, that, that eases the pressure a little bit, but I still have this thing where, the second I complete doing something, I think it's crap or I think about all the things I did badly. You know, as soon as I come off this podcast, I think, oh my God, you shouldn't have said that. And that was awful. You're so boring. You know, I'll, I'll go and do a thing and I, and I pour myself into it a hundred percent. You know, you do a set on a, do a comedy set on a show or something and you think, okay, that was great. You buzz for about half an hour. And then 
after that, you just uh, that the delivery on that was terrible. What, such watching, a watching or listening back to yourself is oh. just like you're like, why the fuck would anyone even oh, smile at what I was I know. saying? There. So sometimes when I, when you know when you you know when you're working up a tour show or whatever, working up material, and you record it and you listen to it back, and there's be, there'll be moments where I say something, a bit of new material, and it gets a laugh. So I laugh because I'm excited in the moment. I, I, I listen back to it and I'm, I, I sicken myself. I just, it's, not, it's, just, it's not that funny, you smug prick. Do you know what I mean? What are you so, are you so pleased with yourself for? You absolutely fumbled the delivery on that, you twat. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't oh, help it, man. So, there, are some co- there are some comics, though, not there's not like... I mean, I think I mean, maybe I'm, in America, I've noticed a bit more... New, there are some people that are like... I'm all, they're like, I'm, I'm just, who's so confident and maybe Mate. it's a com- complete app. But I think some of them are like, this is like, you know, those people who, and you know, some, some of these comedians, okay, they'll be chatting to you backstage and they will just hold, like holding court is one thing, but just telling you the longest, if I'm selling a story that's more than about 12 seconds, I'm already like, what am I doing? Why am I, what? I'm like, yeah. I'm already, I'm like, why am I saying yeah. this to these people? Why are they all looking at me? But there are some people who will just talk for an hour Mm. And it'll be meand- and they don't care. I don't know what that is. It's someone not inside me, but I'm but kind that, of that, jealous. That, that self-belief, you know, that sort of just inherent kind of, I am good at this and blah, blah, blah. I, you know, you, I have moments of it occasionally, but it, it doesn't it doesn't sit with me all the time. But like, the, but the other thing is, like, you know, it's interesting you talk about Americans. Like, I was over there doing a show like a few years ago. Oh, can I just I say on that, before I yeah. forget to say this funny story about you... <laughs> Because I didn't see you, but I had the, Hannah was driving through LA and she yeah. was like, I, I saw Romesh on the back of a truck shouting out of a <laughs> megaphone to get people to come watch his show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, that made me feel good about myself. No, no, Romesh isn't doing this well. <laughs> yeah, mate. Well, it was, that, that was to try that, and sell a show out here because it's, it's so hard to sell shows out here. Yeah, we were doing, well, we were doing, we sort of did a comedy doc thing about me trying to sell out this show. And that was one of the ideas that we had to, but uh, to, to try and sell the show, and it didn't work. But um, but 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 I remember doing a gig. I think it was. I think you. I think you may have recommended uh, her most of comedy and magic because you were playing yeah. it a lot. I think, and you, and so I was doing a gig there, and that and, and the other comic said to me, um, oh, "What are you doing out here?" And I said, "I'm doing this like doc thing on uh, trying to sell out like, this show." And they went, "Oh my god, that's." They were like, "Oh that god, that's amazing." I said, "Oh mate, it's, it's going to be sh-. you know, it's just." You know, I just got lucky and got this thing. I mean, it probably won't be all that. And then they just stopped talking, <laughs> right? And like one of them just went, "You should not talk about yourself like that." Do yeah. you like they go? It's you're doing this thing. It's great. We just watched your set. You do not talk like they sort of staged an intervention then, and, yeah. then. and I was like, and I was doing that thing that British people do of being slightly embarrassed of anything that you, you sort of almost apologise for creating yeah. content, don't you? Sort of yeah, like, yeah, I've done yeah. this thing. I'm so sorry. Don't don't make direct eye contact with me, but it's there if you want it. I was doing that it, in a British in a British green room. Everybody would have gone, yeah, probably will be shit, mate. See you later, take care or whatever. Yeah. Like, so, but in America, they just don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm basing I'm basing America on, on this sample size no, of you're right, you're seven right. people in a green room. No, you're but- right. We were chatting to someone the other day and Hans said about some new show we're trying to write or something. And she went, oh, I yeah. idea. She goes, it's a bit silly. And then the guy went, don't say it's silly. Don't say it's silly. And we're like, but like the, the, tone, the tone is silly. It's like, 
Because as soon as he heard silly, he was like, why, why are you telling a silly idea to an adult? It's basically yeah, yeah, yeah. crap. Yeah. I was like, all right. So now I tell her off whenever she says something silly. Now, I'm, now I've turned this like, remember in America, nothing silly. It's all the best thing they've <laughs> ever heard in their fucking lives, mate. Well, because the thing is, if, if every meeting they have is somebody telling it's the best thing ever, and then somebody comes in and doesn't say it's the best thing ever, it's obviously the shittest thing ever. I mean, that's that's the that's the assumption, isn't it? That's a yeah, natural yeah, assumption. Yeah. Everyone knocks... Um, so, sorry, yeah, just to bring it back to your mum then. So your mum obviously is, um, it's funny that you said she like, she was a disciplinarian and then kind of wanted to have these real jobs because my mum was similar. But then I noticed the point when I, she was like, you're doing this comedy thing. What's a bit stupid? Like what are you doing? Then I, then I told her I was making some money from it. And she was like, oh, okay. But obviously your mum is part of, you know, you've uh, done amazing TV shows and she's embr- she seems to embrace it now. Was there a point you remember where she went from like, are you going to be a doctor to like, Oh, this is all right. Well, I, I sort of had a bit of a. I, I, we, I remember us having a chat about this because when I because I was a maths teacher before I went into comedy, and like in the Asian community, being a teacher is like one of the most revered jobs that you can have, right? And and, and a maths teacher is like you know you're educating the young. You know, mm-hmm. in Asian culture, that's a as it should be in all cultures, really. But you know, it turns out teachers aren't as well respected in, in some countries as they are as other, in others. Yeah. But um, so I was doing that, I mean, and you know, my, I remember my mum telling me that all of her friends couldn't believe that I'd left that job to become a comedian. You know, they were so, like, but they would, they were saying to my mum, "Oh my god, how do you? Are you okay? You know, like as if she's had a bereavement. You know, is it all right that your that your son's gone into comedy?" Or and just to just to just to delve into that a bit more, what point of you must have been, you were doing two at the same time. I think if we first did yeah. a gig at Ipswich University. Yes, yeah, I remember, I remember. I you were still a teacher. Um, and I'm not just saying this because you're here. I do remember watching you and going, hey, he's he's like, I was like, he was way too good for how new he's supposed to be. I was like, well, I was like, why are you, I was like, he's so good. And I was so there. Oh, cheers. I remember you I'll being really nice. I'll take ownership of your success though. No, I'll but I remember you being really, I remember you being really nice. But you were doing both at the same time. So yeah. what was, so this is your mum probably didn't mind you doing both at the same time. Did you tell her straight away when you're doing comedy? You kind of let it, you started. No, I told her, I, I told her straight away and the, she didn't mind me doing both at the same time. It's when I decided to leave that it was a big issue, you know, because then it, it stops being a hobby mm-hmm. and, it, it, you know, and, and, and she was really worried about it. But the reason that we kind of had a little bit of a disagreement is my mum only really started fully, she was supportive. I don't want to give the wrong impression. She's fully supportive of my comedy career. She only really started to see it as a success is when, when I started doing television, right? And like, because, and, mum, and the mum reason, famous. We've spoken about yeah, it before. It's mum yeah, famous. It's different yeah. to other famous. Yeah. And so, and so, what would happen is, is her friends at work would come up to her and go, "I saw Romesh on this thing," and, so, and then suddenly she was getting boosted by her colleagues and stuff. And the, the community were like, "Oh my god, I didn't think your son was going to make a success of this, and he ha- he has done." And blah blah blah. And so my mom said to me, "You know, all of my friends were saying to me, you weren't going to do anything, and now you they saw you on Mock the Week and all this and blah blah." And I and I, I remember saying to her, "Mom, you know, like if I would been making a living doing the clubs or the circuit or whatever, and not doing TV, that's still me making a success." Of this right like that's still that's still good that's still really good but it's mm-hmm. because like my mum my mum had it so tied into what the community think about it and you know and so when I started doing TV she started becoming this is before she started doing TV shows with me she started getting a little bit of sort of 
reflected glory from the from from Asian people that she worked with and stuff like that, just going, "Oh my god, your son was on television!" And like she was like enjoying that, and and I'm making it sound like it makes it sound like she's a bit shallow. It's not that at all. It's like think about it from my mum's point of view. We were living in a bed and breakfast for like a year, year and a yeah. half, right? And we were in council accommodation. I know loads of people in council accommodation, but it, it, it my mum's my life got turned upside down. I, you know, we were like, we were, as far as shit, we were concerned, like rock bottom. And then her son's on TV. Like my mum, sometimes my mum now will say to me, she can't quite believe, you know, she can't believe it because then all she saw was just despair. You know, she just saw how are we ever going to get you know, all of her friends stopped talking to her when we were like, when when, when the house got repossessed. Like everybody mm. sort of stopped getting in touch with, with a bar, a few people. And so to my mum, we were like, this is completely messed up. So now she just can't quite believe it. Do you know what I mean? She's. Do uh, you, um, do you then, because uh, you know, this is kind of what sparked this is like, I didn't realise it's was out here, but like, you know, me and Hans had some good news recently that, um, about something that I can't, talk about but i remember mm. i was like when is the earliest i can tell my mum and dad about this and it's not even for them to be like oh my god that you're amazing it's for them to be like you're not fucking your life like that's all that is like <laughs> that's the level so do yeah. you and obviously obviously you have to tell your mum when you are doing a show on tv and she's in it she has to get told but do you <laughs> be very weird to just spring that on her like i'm just gonna film you for four weeks without giving you a heads up but do you um do you and and actually then if it's all right talking about your dad you said well, you just started comedy before he passed away, did you say? My dad, my dad passed away three days before I went full time as a comedian. Oh, oh, okay, wow, okay. So, so, so he'd seen me do, and actually, he was like super supportive. He'd like come to loads of gigs and stuff. Oh. He's pretty on. He's pretty honest with the feedback. I remember doing a gig with a comic, Jeff Innocent, at Comedian in Brighton, and I was, I think, I was on in the middle. Jeff's and it was great, my, by the way. Yeah, it was my first comic. He's an amazing comic. And my dad came off, like, after I came off, I was, like, buzzing because the gig had got, like, to my mind, the gig had gone well. And then my dad just said to me, if you really want to do this, you got to get as good as that guy because, <laughs> because he was better than you tonight. And, like, yeah, and, yeah. and, like, that's hard to hear. But actually, that's the right, you know. You need to hear that. You, you need, need to hear that. that. Do you, you know what I mean? It's that. like, it was the right thing. It was, like, it was a fucking buzzkill, I'll be honest with you, on the night. But, yeah. you know, he was, you know, he goes to me, you did well. But, like, you know, da, 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 you know, he was just sort of very honest. But yeah, when I when I decided to go full time, um, I remember yeah, my dad passed away, and and my mum and I kind of joke about this because like I don't know what my dad would have been like. My dad was such a hedonist, man. Like I don't know, I don't know what he would have been like. You know, dining out on. I mean, like my mum yeah. said, she, my mum said that if he's, my dad was alive, there's no way she would have been in any TV shows with me. It would have been yeah, all him. he would have been Asian. Asian provocateur would have been me and my dad traveling around Sri Lanka. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a weird. I remember him. Actually, this story involves you. Actually, I remember like, do you remember when we tried out for? We went and did the workshops for. Oh, show me the funny. The oh, the the yeah. TV show. Uh, and and we were trying out for that, and and that's the closest my dad came to see seeing me get on television when I was in the run running for that. And I remember it really like he was so desperate for me to get on that show. And I remember like when I you know when I didn't end up doing that show, he was. Did you get offered it as well? I did. I think I did. Yeah, but I, 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 I think so. But I, I think I was teaching at that time, and yeah. like I remember. 
I remember thinking this ain't the right thing. This ain't the right time for me to do this show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I remember thinking, I, I think it was right. It's actually as an interesting lesson. I didn't do it, but I actually remember someone told me who's a bit further ahead, another comedian, Canadian guy. He's just like, just say yes to everything. Because at the time, I think you're so worried. And that's, again, it's like a confidence. I think I was like, I'll oh, go on there or I'll do the wrong thing. But actually, you, again, you forget. I think maybe back in the day when it was like two TV shows, you had your, you know, now it's like there's so much stuff you could go on and do it. But yeah, if, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. I made that if about I, me rather than you. Sorry. No, no, no. But things. it was like, no, no. But it was, uh, yeah, my dad didn't really see, he didn't see me really get anywhere with comedy do you know what I mean but so, you but you'd also be only you know he done it a couple of years so like yeah, yeah yeah true but my yeah but my dad was like you know parents haven't got realistic expectations for what you should be doing <laughs> I remember like six months in and my dad asking me why I hadn't done love at the Apollo of course, of course. and I, I had to say to him it's because they very rarely book people who've only got four and a half minutes of material at work <laughs> you know so <laughs> it's like you know they, they've got a certain quality threshold that he's maintained I know. Uh, well, I'm sure he's. Yeah, you know, he was. He was very proud. Though. He was just doing it in that dad way of like he had to. He had to. He had. To, that's a classic dad thing of like, oh, why aren't you doing this? But he's secretly thinking it's fucking amazing. You're doing this at the moment, but he can't <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. say it because it's some no. weird. It's too vulnerable or too. It's too. It's kind of like and maybe he thinks like if I say that to him, he's going to get complacent and he just wants yeah. the best for you. So what, what, um, one of the this is a bit sad. So I'm just. But so I'm just. It's okay to be a bit sad. It's fine. But. One of the last conversations I had with my dad, and it was like, because, you know, like I said, my dad was a proper hedonist, proper got on the drink and all that. He came to see me at Comedia. This is not the time when Jeff Innocent was, it was much later on. And um, I, he got drunk and he, I, I was giving him a lift home. And he sat at the back. He was came on his own and just had like a massive pitcher of lager and just got drunk and like loved it. And Julian Dean was on, I think, and he was like telling Julian Dean how much he loved him and all of this. And then... I remember walking back, I was walking back to the car with my dad and for the first time ever, and listen, it's possible that my memories, you know, you, you, you distort memories to suit your narrative a little bit. But I remember my dad saying to me, and this is like a few weeks before he passed away. I remember dad saying to me, um, was I all right tonight? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? And he goes like, did I, I didn't want to, did I embarrass you? And I said, no, I said, you're hilarious. He was hilarious. Like he was just hilarious and drunk and stuff. But I remember it's like one of the first times I ever remember my dad kind of being self-aware enough to, to mm. ask me if he'd done something to embarrass me or let me down or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It was such a, it really yeah. stuck with me. I remember it, I remember it bumped me at the time because I just thought, I actually felt gutted that he felt like that. I just felt like you shouldn't, you're my dad. Do you know what I mean? Do what you want. You know, like, you know, like yeah. you shouldn't have to ask me if you embarrassed me. Like you come out for a few drinks and you enjoyed some comedy. You're not beholden to me to behave yourself in a certain way. You know, I felt I, I was a bit sad for him, but yeah. you know, it's, um, it's, I just, it's just sticks out as one of the last conversations he and I ever had, you know? Yeah. That's well, you've, yeah, you've struck a chord with me that I didn't expect to, but yeah, there's a, it's a weird, uh, I think there is a weird thing where you're the, the dad who's the, entertaining fun one and it's all this but then underneath it you'll think they're just they're, they're just like they're like us it's insecure yeah, yeah. it's like hoping it's you know everyone's having a good time and I'm not being an idiot <laughs> no matter yeah. how much they don't mind acting on one um, I'm going to have a sip of water after that Go just so it. I want to unlock some not going choking <laughs> up or anything definitely am um, but uh, <laughs> uh, that was funny when I texted you going don't worry mate I'm not going to make you cry and then you nearly made me cry on my own fucking podcast I can't even uh, be I can't even be okay with crying because I have inbuilt toxic masculinity absolutely which- I, I don't have that um, 
Well, I do have that. Uh, I do have that thing about crying. But I remember, like, when my dad passed away, I um, I didn't cry very much. I cried, like, you know, when it initially happened. At the funeral and stuff, I didn't cry at all. And then a few, maybe two months later, I was doing a weekend in Birmingham at the Glee, Glee Comedy Club in Birmingham, like a really great comedy club. And I didn't even know any of the other comics. I was spending a lot of time on my own that weekend. And Men in Black 3 had just come out, right? And I, <laughs> I, 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 I wanted to go... I already know where this is going. <laughs> and I wanted to go watch... I, I just thought, I'm just going to go to the cinema on my own and watch Men in Black 3, right? So um, I went to the cinema like in the, on the Saturday afternoon and I had just sat there with popcorn. The end of that film, spoiler alert, the end of that film, it sort of explains why K and J end up sort of being men in black together. And it's because his dad gets killed. He sees that and he wants to, he wants to be, a, he'd always been a parental figure to him throughout everything, you know, been keeping an eye on him or whatever, right? And I was sat in the cinema and I saw that and I just fucking started bawling at like three o'clock in the afternoon in this cinema in Birmingham. And I don't know what other people thought, man. I mean, I, I, I don't, just families there just trying to enjoy Men in Black Free. And then there's this bloke on his own, just sobbing his eyes out. It's, it's, all right, Spen- it's all right, Spencer, ignore the sad man. Ignore the sad man, we'll take a wide berth. Oh man, it was so mad. It was oh my so God. Mad. Um, that's yes, that, that resonates as well. It's this weird thing. It's just, I wish you just cry at the correct, it's not crying when you should just means you're going to cry somewhere where you shouldn't. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Uh, more profound than I meant, but I think that's accurate. Um, but before, yeah. mate, cause we, you gotta, you gotta shoot in a set before we do that. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say, so you when you get good news, obviously your mum's still with us. So when, when you get it, do you, do you tell us, do you tell her quite early? Like, let's see, uh, you get, you get to host the League of Their Own or something. You, you call yeah. her up and go, oh, Mum, I got this. And then she's one of the first people, obviously your wife, you're going to tell, yeah. <laughs> I hope, early. Do you give Do you give her that call and like kind of, do you care what she thinks still or do you like... Do you know, do you know what? This sounds like I'm making it up, but I, I, I genuinely, I promise you, this is how I feel about this. I, um, I am not, look. I don't feel like I'm looking for my mum's approval. Like my mum is like, she's been so supportive and like my mum is one of my heroes, like the, the stuff that she went through with my dad and to bring up my brother and I, uh, she's one of like, she, she I, I don't feel any doubts about what she thinks of me. She's brought me up in a way that I am a hundred percent confident in her love and support for me. The reason I, but I do tell my mum almost before I tell anyone else. And that's because I know that she will buzz her tits off about it. You know, like she just, I, I don't tell her because I, I want to hear her be, pro- mm-hmm. I tell her because I know she's going to be so delighted. You know, she just, sometimes I tell her stuff like, for example, hosting League of Their Own is a really good one, right? Because w- when I told my mum was hosting League of Their Own, she like, she like got giddy. You oh, know, she got great. like, you know, she was like buzzing. So, oh my God, I can't believe my son is hosting. So you're the new, you're hosting. You know, like she's so like excited and it wasn't, and I remember not because she hates James Corden. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, well, that's you know, that's that's I would say that's 60 65 percent of it. No, no. Uh, no, she was just she was just so happy, and and I I felt like my motivation to tell her is because I knew she, it would make her happy rather than I wanted her to be proud of yeah. me. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's it's a slightly different, it's a slightly different feeling, but um, 
No, I think yes. that's good. I think that's yeah, a yeah. good that's a good strong distinction to have and a, a healthier motivation. I think. Yeah, yeah. You want to bring uh, joy to your mum, and then all right. Then before we go, if your mum's, yeah. would your mum listen to a podcast? Does she listen to podcasts? She, I don't. If she knew how to, she would. Yeah. Like if I said okay. to her, "I've just done this podcast about my parents," uh, with uh, with you, she would it, she would ask me how to do it. That would take how to listen to it. That would take. I would I would. Rough <laughs> so, so you're never going to tell her about it because yeah. it's going to take that, up an that, afternoon. That would take about three and a half to four hours to get her fully <laughs> ready to listen to that podcast. But yeah, but if she was in in imaginary land listening to this, what would you would you like to say anything to her? Uh, I would, uh, say to her, um, like, just, I would just like to say to her, thank you so much. Uh, you have done more for me than anybody else ever. Hmm. Uh, and please don't tell Lisa I said that. (laughs) That was going to be so (laughs) heartfelt and you just couldn't help, you couldn't help but put a punch on it, but I like that. I'm the same. Don't worry. It's... (laughs) Being it's that just earnest, so, tra- it's, so it's, tragic, it's, isn't it? It's very <laughs> earnest. It's hard to be that earnest as a comedian. Um, but I appreciate you almost getting there. And then and then to finish off, um, my dad, I'm playing in these bits. I'm, everyone's kind of giving my dad a bit of advice or a little couple of words on anything to say to him, to encourage him to say, I love you to me. Listen, John, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know if what I'm saying to you is going to mean anything, mate. But let me just tell you something. I promise you, if you turn to Chris, and I know Chris very well, he is one of the nicest, best-hearted people I know, right? If you say to Chris, your son, I love you, I promise you, you'll have broken the I love you barrier and you'll want to say it to him all the time. And you'll end up saying it to him so much, he'll start to get irritated about it and he'll do a separate podcast (laughs) <laughs> about asking people about parents who show too much emotion. So Getting my dad to back off. <laughs> so, so listen, John, what I'm saying to you is please, please heed my words. Turn to your son, Chris, and say, I love you. You will feel forever better about having done so. Oh, what a way to end. And before we end fully, mate, I appreciate that. I'll p- play that to my dad and get his reaction. Before I do that, um, what anything you want to plug? You've got about 50 things, but anything specific you want people to, to check out? Um, you can check out the podcast, my podcast that I'm doing with Tom Davis called The Wolf and Owl. And it's just me and Tom with zero preparation talking for an hour once or twice a week, depending on oh. how frequently we get the time. He's a funny, he's a funny human. That would be it. I'm going to, is that already out? It's already out, mate. Yeah. All right, yeah I'll give it a listen. Uh, completely directionless. Oh, uh, mate. So enjoy. Mate, the best time for podcast rather than this structured <laughs> shit I just did for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I love you, Rom. Thanks for doing it, man. I love you too, you. mate. So, Dad, that was Ramesh with his bit of advice. What do you think of it? Interesting. I, I probably need to think about it a bit, don't I? What? <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's quite difficult for someone of my sort of generation to sort of be quite so explicit. I mean, he seemed to be um, very forthright in his, his approach. So I've probably got to go away and give it some sort of um, 
uh, consideration, thought. Um, yeah, just, just say it. I mean, he just said. He just said, start saying it. Why don't you say it? He says it to his mum quite regularly. Good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's good. I mean, it, it may may come more naturally to him than it does to me. I'm not sure. All right. So I, I, I'd probably have to look him up and sort oh of see. Oh my god! Why do you have to? Do, you have to research saying "I love you." You know, it, it, it takes takes thought. But I, I was quite interested in that thing, as I mentioned in the earlier sort of ramble I did. Um, I accused of rambling, but you know, even the most stuck-up person like Prince Charles can be quite sort of giving in the love department. Right. It's this fantastic photograph. You should look at it. I mean, I don't know if you said it. Stop going on about Prince Charles. I don't care. All right, okay, sorry. I don't care about Prince Charles. I just thought it was a good example. All right, well, do you know what this is, Dad? This is called deflection. You're deflecting to Prince Charles because you don't want to say I love you, which is fine. This is the first episode. I've got other people I'm interviewing. Maybe they'll they'll break down those barriers. So why don't you help with the outro now? It was a great great effort, Christopher, and I I think it's (laughs) an interesting thing to do, and I hope... I hope that I can participate in other ones. So come, come back and hear me again. There we go. All right. There we is go. Is that is that all That's right? That's great. That'll do. That'll do. If you like the podcast, give us a rating that, online. Come, yeah, we can we can work around that. That's my dad. Getting my dad to say anything I want him to say should be the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say, come back and see the next episode. There we go. He smashed it. So, all right, so dad. I, I'm very happy. So I'm very happy. Yeah, I think we bring me back in the next episode. Yeah, great. And this is where you stop talking. Thanks, Dad. I love you. Thank you, Christopher. A podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.